Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. You are undoubtedly extremely familiar with the narrative that the population on this planet, on this planet Earth, is just going to increase and increase and increase and eventually result in the destruction of this planet Earth. It's a narrative that has been very, very carefully taught to the children from youngest ages in grade school all the way up through middle school or junior high school, high schools, colleges, universities, postgraduate courses, and so forth in the universities. And the media is forever (laughs) reminding us one way or another of this dire state of affairs. Which is one of the reasons, one of those foundational reasons why evils as monstrous as induced abortion are championed. Interestingly enough, a couple gentlemen, a Canadian journalist, John Ibbotson, a political scientist, Daryl Bricker, came up with a competing hypothesis, and it actually kind of reached out and grabbed them. And they state that in roughly three decades, the global population will begin to decline And once that decline begins, it will never end, end quote. This is from their new book, Empty Planet, which has just been released this week. So here in the first week of February 2019, This is a very, very different narrative. A very different premise or hypothesis is that instead of the world's population perpetually increasing until all is lost, that rather the opposite will occur. And not because of Famines, droughts, pestilence, disease, plagues, pandemics, epidemics, wars and more wars and violence of every kind, pollution and what have you. No, that those are not the things that will trigger the reduction in population. Rather, it will be education reaching the great unwashing masses such as myself and yourself, but most importantly, reaching the people in the 
third world nations, developing nations. So you may want to take a look at their book, Empty Planet, from Penguin Random House. Again, just hit the presses, so to speak, just released. But they state that population in approximately the next three decades will begin to decline and thereafter will continue to decline. Perhaps you've seen these advertisements for artificial intelligence, and I'm not sure if it, uh, if the company, if it's IBM, whatever, but it states as a categoric fact that by the year 2050, which pretty much aligns with this three decades, just a shy bit longer, that we're going to need 60% more, I believe, as far as food to provide for the world's people, and only more so thereafter, and so forth. Well, this premise that the world's population will just keep on increasing enormously It has been an underpinning of movements, not only including induced abortion, but beyond that. As stated by such luminaries as Ted Turner, Prince Philip, the philosopher ethicists, what do you say, ethicists, so what is the the version of that, (laughs) chief ethicist, author, great deep thinker, Peter Fisher, and, of course, the late, great Margaret Sanger, and, and so very many more, but are of the persuasion that what is needed, what is desirable, is to eliminate vast numbers of people, to eliminate great swaths of population, to pare down the world's population down to a mere two billion or so in order for it to be sustainable. (laughs) And, And they state such things. They actually are on the record stating such wonderful humanitarian things as that. And no wonder they have enjoyed such outstanding success in life because they're just, you know, so deserving, such honorable people. Well, Philippines, what do you think when you hear the Philippines? Do you think of it being right at the forefront, cutting edge of technology and so forth? I personally don't. But it was listed as being the number one country or nation in the world for, wait for it, internet usage per person per day. Number one nation in the world. Not the United States of America. 
not Britain or UK or some nations in Europe on the continent or in Scandinavia or wherever all else, Japan and what have you, but the Philippines, of all places, number one in the world with an average usage per person per day of 10 hours and two minutes of screen time. 10 hours and two minutes per day per person. In number two position, Brazil, where, of course, we had the Summer Olympics last go-round, 2016, and which... Uh, the Olympics, which was jeopardized and in great uh, danger of not taking place because of tremendous amount of pollution. But Brazil, number two. Number three, Thailand. Thailand. I know. Maybe that doesn't amaze you. It amazes me. Yes, Thailand with an average of only 9 hours and 11 minutes per person per day. Colombia in number four. Colombia, the land of cartels, (laughs) right? Cartels, communist guerrillas. Number four, Colombia. And... uh, Some outstanding beauties. And number five, Indonesia. Indonesia, which I think of more in line with terrible volcanic eruptions and tsunamis and so forth. But Indonesia, number five. Just breathtaking. I think. And which nation, I don't know how long this list was, but which nation came in last? Japan. Of all places, Japan came in last. And with an average usage per person per day of only three hours and 45 minutes, just shy of four hours a day. And that relegated them to last place. And this report that came out stated that 57% of the global population is connected to the Internet and spend an average of six and a half hours per person per day using the Internet. Now, how do these people access the Internet? The majority of the time spent online is via mobile devices, smartphones, or tablets. And the greatest chunk of that time is spent of all things, on social media sites, such as Facebook, Twitter, and what have you, and of course the ones 
across the pond and over the sea and in China and what have you. But to me, this was just beyond imagination <laughs> that, that's, that that's where we are right now. Extraordinary. And what implications are there for the world, for the world at large? Because there are implications. And interestingly enough, going back to this matter of the world population and whether it is going to increase indefinitely or decline, these two authors, these two researchers, what actually drew their attention to this, they stated more than anything else, was meeting with a focus group of just more than a dozen women in a slum in Delhi, India. And all of these women had smartphones and could read and had data and had access to all this vast wealth of knowledge in the world. Well, if all of this vast wealth of knowledge in the world results in good things, my word, we must be in a much very different state of affairs than we currently are. Perhaps this bodes well for Mark Zuckerberg, who gives every indication of having presidential ambitions. Not presidential timber, not presidential quality, but presidential ambitions. You could say unbridled ambition and, of course, enormous wealth and influence and thus power. Yes, he would be a president for this generation, wouldn't he? It's rather ironic. Uh, stop and think about a, a president, the age of Donald Trump, and that he is the tweeter-in-chief, of all things. And uh, lo and behold, perchance he will be overtaken by, you know, one of these young guns, one of these the youth movement here, social media giants. Pandering to the vast multitudes that are addicted to social media. As if social media provides this great wealth of knowledge and wisdom and so forth, right? Well, I'm always amazed when I see these cases in point of particular programs on YouTube that have gone viral and that have hundreds of thousands or millions or millions and millions of followers and are just beyond 
beyond imagination that people actually follow these things. But perhaps, I assume, you have seen much concerning this incident at the not at the March for Life, but in Washington, D.C., at the time of the March for Life. I don't know if you've ever been at the March for Life, but it's not just a matter of a walk, (laughs) a march, if you will, up Pennsylvania Avenue and past the White House and to the Capitol and to the Supreme Court. And people milling around into Union Station and so forth. But also of people there on this great green space from the Lincoln Memorial to the Washington Monument. And even over to the Jefferson Memorial, what have you. And you no doubt saw this about this group of high school students from Covington Catholic High School in Covington, Kentucky, who on their way back to their buses, to a staging ground for them to be picked up by their buses, that park along the avenue there by the Lincoln Memorial as far as to find some place, you know, to disembark and to get back on the buses and to head home and so forth, they were met by protesters of a different persuasion. And lo and behold, here in this age, this wonderful, knowledge-seeking, wisdom-thirsty generation, person or persons took some video, very limited video, and immediately uploaded it. And it went viral, of course, with the exceedingly discerning viewers. And so it was made out that these Catholic high school students had committed some terrible, egregious trespass against these various protesters, including American Indians, Native Americans, and a group of men of color, black men. Well, lo and behold, it was an extremely twisted, distorted view of what actually took place. And instead of the Catholic high school students being in the wrong, they were the recipient of being accosted and provoked and vilified and what have you. But lo and behold, one of our outstanding public school teachers, who I'm sure has just been doing a wonderful job ever since uh, she has been employed, Mountain Ridge Middle School teacher Michelle Grissom chose to insert herself in the public discussion 
by tweeting. And she tweeted the following. Quote, his name is Jay Jackson. His Twitter account is closed to non-followers, so we don't interfere with his training in the hashtag Hitler Youth, end quote. It's courtesy of Michelle Grissom. Michelle Grissom is one of these terribly underappreciated, underpaid public school teachers, middle school teacher, junior high school teacher, earning only $74,015.55 per year, not including, of course, perks and bennies and what have you. But lo and behold, interestingly enough, this boy, Jay Jackson, was actually not there. He was not present. (laughs) And his father saw the tweet and responded to it and provided footage proving that his son was, in fact, playing in a varsity basketball game hundreds of miles away at the time of the incident. Well, lo and behold, school superintendent Thomas Tucker who stated that Grissom is entitled to a hearing before the school board makes any final decision. Nonetheless, he has rightly recommended that she be dismissed. Interestingly, after, you know, the the brief videos that made out that these students were in the wrong, of offending, of being rude, disrespectful, to, among others, a Native American Indian elder. A longer, more complete recording showed that the students rather than, instead of, harassing that man who was an activist, political activist, instead of that, they were being harassed and provoked. But, of course, we should believe the worst (laughs) about them. Well, one student in particular who has been particularly targeted is Nicholas Sandman, like the Sandman, Nick Sandman. And the Native American Indian Elder Nathan Phillips strode up to Nick Sandman playing his drum while he beat a path to Nick Sandman. 
And Nick Sandman did the unthinkable, terrible thing of standing his ground and of being calm and cool and collected and smiling. And Nick and his fellow students, they were yelled at by, among others, these blacks who called themselves Hebrew Israelites, who were screaming epithets at them, obscenities at them. But there were many statements that have been published that have promoted the idea of attacking Nick Sandman, committing physical violence against him, as well as against his family and other students. Outstanding. And that Jay Jackson, who was playing in a basketball game, he, since this, has been harassed and bullied as a result of it. But again, with regard to Nick Sandman committing this terrible, egregious thing of smiling at this Native American Indian elder who was, in point of fact, being very provocative. Some could say threatening. I'll just leave it at provocative. Well, dear old Bill Maher, perhaps you are familiar with Bill, who is purportedly a comedian. And like so very many comedians, like the, it seems like the overwhelming majority or virtually all of them, they seem to have an affinity for obscenity, profanity, and, of course, taking the name of the Lord in vain and so forth, but also being very profane. Well, Bill Maher is exceedingly profane, always has been, vile, lewd, profane, dirty guy, a really dirty guy. And he reminds me, as far as his looks, reminds me of Hugh Hefner, the late Hugh Hefner. But as far as his communications remind me, particularly along the lines of Howard Stern, such as this, but always vile and lewd and profane and... always having a just a a very despicable agenda but dear old bill to quote bill on his hbo program real time with bill maher and i'm only going to quote a little bitty bit here it says what a little blank smirk face exclamation mark during his opening monologue 
This smirking kid says he was just trying to defuse the situation. Really? And then he said something else with regard to his standing in front of this Nathan Phillips, the Native American Indian elder. You know, how dare he do that? That was such and such. Well, lo and behold, again, Nathan Phillips is the one who chose to put himself right in the face of Nick Sandman. Not to (laughs) diffuse the situation, but to provoke. Interestingly enough, this Nathan Phillips, he initially claimed the students blocked his exit (laughs) and taunted him with abusive and racist chants. He later recanted that, and he came out with a new version that he was trying to defuse the confrontation. But interestingly enough, again, Bill Maher denigrates the idea that this young man, Nick Sandman, was trying to defuse the situation, but instead embraces the idea that Nathan Phillips who completely did a 180 on his story, that that's what he was trying to do. And his sidekick. But, again, dear old Bill Maher. Just such a great guy. He made, he went on to make a joke, if you want to call it that, that vilified Catholic priests and Nick Sandman and Catholic school children. But good old Bill, good old Bill. Really outstanding, outstanding, you know, American, outstanding, Canadian, outstanding, whatever he is, he's just so outstanding. This world is just so much richer for having him. HBO, home home box office, They choose to associate themselves with him and, of course, pay him a boatload of money in order for him to put forth his pollution, his corruption, in the name of entertainment. This is the case with so many media companies that they lust after the services of such vile, lewd, profane obscene performers and they promote them and they advance them and they reward them and they give them opportunity to pollute this nation and the world's peoples. Nick Sandman, he said of this confrontation, He said that he tried to remain motionless and calm in the face of this (laughs) confrontation from Phillips in order to de-escalate it. He said he smiled at Phillips because I wanted him to know I was not going to become angry, intimidated, or be provoked 
into a larger confrontation, which is exactly, precisely what dear elder Nathan Phillips was attempting to elicit. Meanwhile, before I go on, let me just say, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done, and whatever is right and good and true in this program is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, is due to me. That's on me. Well, the bishop overseeing Covington Catholic High School, the so-called Most Reverend Roger Foys, He apologized for his and the Catholic diocese's rush to judgment in condemning Nick Sandman and the rest of the students from who were from the school that this bishop oversees. Of course he would think the worst of them. Of course. (laughs) But what did he think they had done? He thought they had been rude to this wonderful man. He initially condemned the students for purportedly being rude to this man. And said the following, quote, Their behavior is opposed to the church's teachings on the dignity and respect of the human person. End quote. He also came out with the following, that they, the diocese, whatever, were investigating the matter and, quote, would take appropriate action up to and including expulsion, end quote. Oh, but now he's apologized for that. Oh, my. And what did he say? And this was so precious, really. I'll go to the end of his statement of of this one paragraph before I go back. It says, we take full responsibility for it. He doesn't say I take full responsibility for it. He says we take full responsibility for it. But prior to that, he qualifies it, he conditions it by saying the following. We, and again we, not I, we should not have allowed ourselves to be bullied and pressured into making a statement prematurely. Isn't that fascinating? We're not only talking about a, you know, a grown man, we're talking about a, I'm assuming this is an older man. He's a bishop after all. I'd be shocked if he is not an older man. And he's claiming he was bullied and pressured <laughs> into condemning these students that he oversees. I think it's fair to say that this so-called, well, I'll just say bishop, so-called bishop, Roger Foy's is out of his depths. To put it gently, ever so diplomatically, 
out of his depths, unfit for his position. But on the other hand, (laughs) this title, The Most Reverend, is so fascinating. Yes, Catholics are fond of their titles, and a bishop yet. You may be interested to know that the word reverend is used in the Bible one time. Once. Only once. And it is used to refer to God Almighty, God the Father. Not God the Son, God the Father. But oh my! (laughs) Of course, I mean, it's bandied about everywhere, not just the Catholics, you know, of course not. Protestants, absolutely. Any ordained minister, they are the reverend so-and-so, and they are doctor, reverend, and what have you. Yes, yes. But... Hopefully... I hope that as a an unintended consequence of this that these students many of these students and their families will actually be inclined to look at the Bible, to read the Bible for themselves. And, dare I say, to come out of the darkness of Catholicism. But, but Foyce, he stated that he's on the student's side. He's on their side. Oh, my word, absolutely. How could he be any more on their side than condemning them and threatening to have them expelled on the basis of some blip of a video. Hmm? Nick Sandman. A few more words pertaining to Nick, who's only a junior. He said that he was, quote, mortified that so many people have come to believe something that did not happen. That students from my school were chanting or acting in a racist fashion toward African Americans or Native Americans. I did not do that, do not have hateful feelings in my heart, and did not witness any of my classmates doing that. But again, a great many people chose to condemn the students, and the bishop doing so, of course, that only helped (laughs) further that. But calling for them to be identified, harassed, assaulted, and beyond that. Again, the students were actually being harassed. Four members of this black group calling themselves Hebrew Israelites, which is slander against Israel and Hebrews. But they called these 
teenagers, racists, bigots, white crackers, incest kids, and so forth. They also taunted a black or African-American student who was in this group, telling him that they would harvest his organs. Well, Sandman asked, Sandman or one of the other students asked a teacher who was chaperoning them, who was doing a lousy job of chaperoning them. Chaperones should have been front and center, and they clearly were not, but for permission to begin singing our school spirit chant to drown out these obscene men of color hecklers. Well, one of Nathan Phillips' sidekicks managed to take offense at the high school spirit chant, saying it it was mockery against the Native American Indians, against the Pawnee and Seminole tribes. Nick Sandman said it, no time did I hear any student chant anything other than the school spirit chants. I did not witness or hear any other students chant, build that wall or anything hateful or racist at any time. Assertions to the contrary are simply false. And so then this Nathan Phillips came at him and locked eyes with him came within inches of Nick Sandman's face. Within inches. When's the last time you saw a fight? Whether it was super heavyweight, heavyweight, welterweight, flyweight, bantamweight, whatever it is, and you see the fighters come to the middle of the ring, they're being introduced, and they glare at one another, and they come as close as they can. You know, put their noses against each other, basically. This is exactly what Nathan Phillips was doing to Nick Sandman. This grown man, elder, doing this to this 17-year-old kid who's smiling. To intimidate him and to provoke him into doing something that can then be blown up and used to the advantage of Nathan Phillips and his group. But Nick Sandman did not respond the way that dear Nathan Phillips was counting on. And Phillips, he claimed that these young people were roughshodding through our space. Just like what's been going on for 500 years. Just walking through our territories. (laughs) Okay, so he owns the mall there. Okay, the Lincoln Memorial Mall. He owns that, right? even though this is out on the sidewalk. But if you get a permit to have a function of some kind at one of the memorials in Washington, D.C., you are extremely limited as far as where you can be. I know this personally, firsthand. But here, Nathan Phillips 
These young people, they're rough-shotting through our space, just like what's been going on for 500 years here, just walking through our territories, feeling like this is ours. Oh, okay. So he's claiming all of this and all of America for himself and those whom he represents. Meanwhile, Nick Sandman says the following, quote, I am being called every name in the book, including a racist, and I will not stand for this mob-like character assassination of my family's name. One person threatened to harm me at school. One person claims to live in my neighborhood. My parents are receiving death threats and professional threats because of the social media mob that has formed over this issue, end quote. This is the true state of the union right now. Regardless what dear Donald Trump said in his 80-minute address, regardless the Democrat response, rebuttal, regardless of all of that, all of that politicking, this is the state of the union in the United States of America. It has been mortally ill for decades, and each year it declines further. And now, while the Philippines, Brazil, Thailand, Colombia, Indonesia are the top five nations for per-person usage of the Internet, lo and behold, This nation, the Western nations, the developed nations, have declined to this state, to this degree, that there is this thuggery, this mobocracy via social media, via Mark Zuckerberg's social media, his reckless, irresponsible, power-happy, profit-driven social media empire that perhaps he didn't even invent, but but which he certainly has uh, done well with <laughs> for himself. This is the state of our union. Mob rule. And triggered by this and that and the other thing, just amazing, the most unrestrained and uncharitable and dishonorable behavior, not only thanks to the likes of Bill Maher and his other unspeakable, disgusting cohorts, vilifiers, and so forth, but also (laughs) all of the Americans who tap into this, who are a party to this. I mentioned before about this girl, this 15-year-old girl, honor student, who was murdered one week after 
she performed at President Barack Hussein Obama's 2013 inauguration ceremonies. This girl, this young woman, Hadia Pendleton, I mentioned before what her mother, Cleopatra Cowley, said. It bears stating again, quote, Hadia is serving a death sentence. And the whole family is doing life as a result of her death. And that, end quote, and that is true for each and every innocent person that is slaughtered, that is butchered, that is murdered in this nation. And a veritable handful of destroyers ever are executed, and if they are, it is decades later and after they have used up vast, vast, vast resources of the United States of America and its taxpayers that could have, would have, should have been used for the benefit of deserving people. Because of the corruption, the perversion of our justice system, thanks to courtesy of the likes of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her sisters in arms. But that's the true state of this nation, is that it is desperately ill. And barring an impossible, miraculous revival and restoration to Christian faith, to Christian roots, this nation will be ultimately overrun, destroyed. Not due to overpopulation, but it will be. Perhaps you saw that this woman, nurse, Crystal Lee, 32, has been implicated as an accomplice after the fact in destroying the evidence of the murder of this woman, this foolish woman, lovely young mother, Kelsey Barrett, who lived with, had a child by the fellow who slaughtered her and who was soliciting people to help him murder her. Joe and Patty Rockstall contacted the FBI after one of their employees told them in October that her best friend said, quote, a man had asked her to kill the mother of his child, end quote. But meanwhile, as horrible a creature as this fellow is. He manages then to get a woman to help him. I never cease to be amazed at such things, but this Patrick Frazee got her to help dispose of the evidence, and this woman's body has not been found. This woman who was mother of a one-year-old child by him. Meanwhile, I mentioned in the previous program about this precious young woman, Alexa Cannon, 20 years old at Radford University, who was slaughtered by her roommate, Louisa Eines Cutting. Lo and behold, the murderer has only been charged with second-degree murder. Well, what do you expect? 
she repeatedly stabbed Alexa in the face, in the throat, in the chest. And when the officers arrived, they found her lying on the floor with multiple stab wounds and a butcher knife sticking out of her mouth. Of course, this woman would only be charged with second-degree murder. If that's second-degree murder, then what's first-degree murder, you might ask? As I've mentioned before, these words of Joseph Pulitzer, but a slight twist. Our republic and its press will rise or fall together. Make it our republic and its judiciary will rise or fall together. An able, disinterested, impartial, public-spirited judiciary with trained intelligence to know the right and courage to do it can preserve the public virtue without which popular government is a sham and a mockery. A cynical, mercenary, demagogic, intellectually dishonest and immoral judiciary will produce in time a people as base as itself. The power to mold the future of the republic will be in the hands of the jurists of future generations. More on that next time. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.